This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Forks of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that Phantom, is that his name, or M, or Moriarty, or whatever Phantom the fuck his name is. Phantom with an F. He said, quote, keep one of them alive to tell the story. And I'm calling not it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'm also going to call not it, because we do have a third person here who can be it. Phil Hudson Hawkins is joining us. He's it. He's going to tell the story. We're going to sit back and die. That's okay. I'm a, I'm a former slash current newspaper journalist, and I can write the headlines and, and put, in the, uh, put in the stories that um, flash across the screen telling the tale. And let's not forget a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen enthusiast. Very much so. He's enthused. Um, it's, it's as enthused as someone can be having never actually read the source material. <laughs> and yet when I said, hey, what do you want to talk about? Like, you didn't even blink. You just said, <laughs> LXG, baby. The LXG. movie that ended Sean Connery's career? Yes, please. <laughs> Absolutely. And Alan Moore, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. He hated it, probably, because he's Alan Moore. <laughs> because he's Alan Moore, and it's a movie made from his source material, so of course he hated it. He's probably never seen it, though, because he's Alan Moore, and it's his source material. <laughs> he does do that, huh? Phil, serious question. Uh, yeah. Why? Um, because you guys had done all the fun and good ones already. <laughs> you, get, you gave me the list of of uh, movies that have yet to be yet to be created into uh, artful episodes, and I mean, I can, I don't have the list in front of me, but this certainly was um um on it among them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was the best of the rest. I should do the thing. Oh, we're talking about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from 2003, directed by Stephen Fucking Norrington. I say fucking not as That's... a as a compliment this time. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. He's... That's a new way of doing it with five episodes to go. Yeah. But I like it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just trying to you know keep it fresh for phoning it in. I like it. <laughs> Famously, also directed Blade. So, and nothing else. That's pretty much so, it. So ended Sean Connery's career, but took out a couple other careers with it as well. <laughs> he like made a grand statement after this movie. He's like, I'm never going to direct a movie again. And people are just like, no one was going to ask. Okay. <laughs> You're good. So he knew that he wasn't going to be asked, so he tried to get in front of it. You're fired. Well, you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> we'll get there, though, because there's some interesting uh, stuff regarding um, his post-LXG uh, career. Is the, I didn't know he had a post. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. I know well, it's like rumored things, but I didn't know that there was like It's it's the yeah. absence of of the career is the, is the <laughs> <Okay. we'll> get <laughs> there. <laughs> That's fair. Brian, you ever seen this thing before? No, this is my first, second, third, and probably final time seeing this movie. That's so many times. What are you yeah. doing with your life? Well, I had to watch it a third time so I could stay awake for the ending. Fair enough. <laughs> Bill, you ever seen it before? Um, I had, but I had completely forgotten it. Um, so this past week was um, flush with <laughs> LXG-ness. Um, and I, I agree, I've had enough. 
this is uh this is yeah, funny. No, you're good i you you look paler than usual yeah that's how i felt after the first time watching it is i didn't remember what happened so yeah i still don't know what really happened i remember like the first <laughs> half and the second half just like washed over me and i'm concerned for when the synopsis happens it's gonna sound like the first time yeah well as i was writing it it felt like the first time so fair enough had you seen it before no i remember seeing it on like the shelf at hollywood video and like no one rented it no one yeah i'm very familiar with like the cover of the blu-ray yeah. because this was one of 20th century fox's first five blu-ray releases oh jesus Oh yeah, they had a great first class. It was it was this movie, the 2005 Fantastic Four movie, Behind Enemy Lines, Ice Age, and Kiss of the Dragon. Wow, the classics, all of them. They all, every single one of them. They were like, this is what we're banking the future of 20th Century Fox on. I felt like you said 20th Century Fox and first class. There is a pun. Did you intend it or not no, so much? Not intentional. Okay, another missed opportunity from you. What else is new? Yeah, it's classic. Do you want to get into it? I think um, the sooner we get into it, the sooner we get out of it. Yeah, so, let's yeah. do it. The year is 1899. High-profile crimes are occurring all over Europe, each allegedly carried out by nationals of other countries, leading Europe to the brink of war. Isn't it like February 1899? I don't know. Like, I feel like they went out Maybe? of their way to name a month, but... April. I looked at the uh, the newspapers. I stopped. Did you guys stop and look at the newspapers? You guys no, talked about it. No, because the movie goes on longer when you do that. <laughs> so there's a give and take to doing it. Again, as a former as a former newspaper editor, um, I couldn't help but like pausing and looking at and just observing the layout and seeing just critiquing um, how well these stories are written and headlined and everything. Um, not well. I mean, general theme of the, <laughs> general theme of the movie. <laughs> to be expected. Uh, save that for style and tone, because that's going to be uniform, then, across the board. <laughs> <laughs> so there's these attacks happening all over Europe. You know, your your classic, classic strange tank-like vehicles doing Austin Power-style steamrolling and <laughs> robbing banks, <laughs> blowing up a whole mess of Zeppelins with a slinky gun. Just normal crimes. General European mischief. I feel like we're supposed to be, like, jarred and wowed seeing a tank. In this, like, that's the way they shot this. It's like, holy shit, it's a tank. But it's like, I'm watching. You told me it's 1899, but then you show me a tank right away. I'm like, I don't believe Immediately, it's the first thing we see is a tank, yeah. And they're like, what's that? And then later, they're like, there's people inside it. An emissary of the British government, Sanderson Reed, played by Tom Goodman Hill, arrives in Kenya to recruit a legendary hunter-slash-adventurer to investigate the attacks, Mr. Alan Quartermain, played by Sean fucking Connery. I want to congratulate all of us because I think this is the longest anyone has ever gone in the history of a Sean Connery film without doing a Sean Connery impression. Forgive me, friend. <laughs> it's been too long. There it I is. Should... We're back. Thank yeah, you. Okay. Now we're on the board, officially. It's best if I don't do one at all, I think. Uh, for those listening at home, drink every time you hear a Sean Connery impression. Well, then prepare to get drunk, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Reed finds... That Quartermain's patriotism has declined over the years, and he refuses to offer his services. The fuck does that even mean? You know. Hey, your uh, patriotism's on the downslope. <laughs> God save the queen. And that's as patriotic as they get around there. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, a group of armor-plated men with automatic rifles <laughs> a lot of air quotes. show up, <laughs> and uh, they start killing people. So Quartermain jumps into action, defeating the attackers one by one. He chases the last one to interrogate him, which is lucky because his whole club blows up. 
So it's a good thing he wasn't inside. Man, you just managed to get through 15 minutes of this movie beautifully. <laughs> that was I'm on a mission. Awesome. <laughs> on a mission. Can we talk about the fight scene though? Because it's not bad. It's not bad at all. For a 71-year-old man throwing punches, I believed it a lot better than it's I did Robert De Niro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who moves better at 71, though? De Niro or Connery? Because they got like a similar body shape now. Yeah. Not anymore. I- Not anymore, obviously. <laughs> Connery's uh, he's a lot more horizontal <laughs> than De Niro. He's a lot more vertical these days. Right. I think you gotta, you got to give a little bit of a nod to uh, Mr. Norrington here because... He didn't use any big wide shots to show Connery and all his um, athletic prowess. So <laughs> a lot of fast cuts when he throws a punch, and it makes it a little bit more believable. Yeah, that's um, the first of, I'm sure, many praises of Stephen Norrington we're going to have. <laughs> drink every time we praise Stephen Norrington. It will balance out everything you drink with Sean Connery. No, you don't get more sober. <laughs> yeah, that's not how that works at all. <laughs> Quartermain reluctantly agrees to return with Reed, deciding that a full-scale war between nations will eventually spread to Africa. So he's like, all right, I'll go. Quartermain arrives in London in July, so glad we figured out it was April, because it took him a while <laughs> to get to London. Usually movies like jump years, this one's like, no, 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 no. was spring, now it's summer, baby. It's a long way from Kenya. They went north, right? That's, that's English it. summer, so it's gray and rainy. I love how English this movie thinks it is by just <laughs> stating things are English. It's like, oh, bring a top hat because it's English summer. It's like, what is that? What? what? <laughs> Prepare yourself for English summer, and it's just gray and rainy. <laughs> this whole movie is just gray and rainy and dark. And Man, if you are like depressed watching this thing, there, you have no chance. It's not going to brighten your disposition, that's for sure. <laughs> Quartermain meets the mysterious M, played by Richard Roxburgh. Fucking? No. No? No. no okay, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> he explains his plan to assemble a hot tub time machine to combat the threat of the Phantom. Thank you. 15 minutes in, we get a hot tub time machine. <laughs> Not the last one, either. No, man, they love the name of this movie, like, a lot. Oh, so, like, so much. much. Well, sometimes we get a hot tub. And then sometimes we get a time machine, and they don't always, like... That's true. ...put it <laughs> together. They really like to pronounce the extra in extraordinary. Uh, well, it's because they're very English. Extraordinary. They put up their noses, and they're, they have their canes, or whatever English people have. <laughs> that's English, yep. And their yep. crickets canes. And that they have, and uh, their footballs. And that's when they say it, the extraordinary. Sure, are we some sort of hot tub time machine? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now I just can't shake the image of Sean Connery winking directly at the camera during this movie now. <laughs> I need it. I, I, why didn't they cast the Chevy Chase role as Sean Connery? Missed opportunity. <laughs> An opportunity, surely. M introduces Quartermain to Captain Nemo, played by uh, Nasirun Shah. Well done. Good effort. <laughs> He's a famous pirate, though he doesn't quite go by, by that, that term. He's a fancy boy. He's very fancy, and he has all kinds of wonderful toys. <laughs> he does. We'll get there. Uh, I can see Phil shaking already. I actually I <laughs> dig this casting, because I feel like this is an easy opportunity for Hollywood to cast a white guy in an Indian person's role. So, um, Especially in 2003. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to 20th Century Fox and um, the casting crew for actually getting a famous Indian actor to portray an Indian character. Nazirudin Shah. Very good. He's very good. 
an invisible man, Rodney Skinner, played by Tony Curran. Not the. Not the. Yeah. In fact, I have, <laughs> I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. 20th Century Fox was unable to get the rights for the literary character of the invisible man created by H.G. Wells. The character in the movie had to be renamed, and he could never be called the invisible man, just an invisible man. So they treated this thing like the writer's strike of 2004 or whatever year that was. It was 2006. I don't remember. But when they had like the Daily Show, they're like, we can't call it the Daily Show. We got to call it a Daily Show. A Daily Show. Yeah. A show that happens frequently. <laughs> the once a day uh, viewing. The 24 hourly show. <laughs> really, it's Monday through Thursday, which is four out of seven days, which is just a little bit over half of Daily. The sometimes appearing during the week show. Rodney Skinner had stolen an invisibility formula from its creator and is now helping the government in return for an antidote. Because, you know, he's like, it'll help me steal stuff. And then he's like, I don't like being invisible anymore. Can we talk about how cool it is when he puts the makeup on? It is the best effect of this movie. <laughs> it's so By effective. far. The rest <laughs> of the CGI, and we'll get there. It's not good, but they actually do a great job with, uh, with uh, Skinner here and throughout the movie. They did. I just thought he looked a little bit cold. And that just could be because they put him in the fridge for most of the movie because I guess the effect was a little <laughs> tricky to pull off all that time. Looked great though when we saw him. He looked great. He, yep. he looked fantastic while he was on screen. That's weird to say the invisible man on screen. I mean, mm -hmm. technically the invisible man could always be on screen. That's true. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. And finally, <laughs> finally, Mrs. Mina Harker played by Peter Wilson, whom M introduces as a well-regarded chemical scientist and is immediately questioned by sean connery <laughs> way too quickly why is there a woman here he says like oh in my experience women are just distractions you're 71 Did, years old like you're, maybe don't you're be distracted your dick's not gonna work for real you have nothing to worry about here of a distraction <laughs> but there's other team members that could be distracted i'm not defending this statement at all fair enough <laughs> <laughs> to be fair she does end up playing a role of a distraction and I mean, we'll get there, but that's a lot of her role is um, distracting other male members of the League of Extraordinary yes. Gentle People. That's a very politically correct way of putting it that I wish Emmett thought of. Uh, quick question to you, Phil. How good did it feel saying we'll get there knowing that we probably won't? Oh, we might. We I'm, might. I'm, I know it's might a might, not. but doesn't it feel good? It's, uh, man, this is a great feeling. I love this. You put a bookmark that, like, yeah, we'll get to it. Is this how you guys feel all the time? All the time. Always. I feel like I'm, I got a cloud between my knees <laughs> all the time. Superman, <laughs> is that Five for Fighting? Is that the band? I don't know. I don't know who sings I songs. Can't stand that one. Fly. Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I'm not that naive. I like how he says, I can't, I can't stand to fly. I'm not that naive. It's like. You're just saying that you can't fly and you're not a fucking dope. Like, I, I don't know. what. I know I can't <laughs> Why are you fly. using all these fancy words? We'll get words? there. <laughs> Why are you riding on clouds if you're Superman? First of all, you got a cape and that's what makes you fly according to Roger Ebert. Is that true? Roger I'm pretty sure he stated that, it? that it's the cape that does it. Are there any flying characters that don't have capes? I mean, Wonder Woman, kind they kind of did that in 84, but... I don't think any of, of the other Kryptonians that come along have capes. Zod, Nod, and Ursa. No, they definitely don't have capes. How cool would it have been, though, if like they made Zod, Nod, and Ursa different bagels, like different flavor bagels? <laughs> <laughs> it's got poppy seed and... <laughs> Jalapeno and cheddar. Ooh. Is that a bagel flavor? Now I'm That's like hungry. a West Coast thing. Like, Must on the be East a West Coast, Coast thing. 
they're very like standard. Just like our bagels taste like you just literally ate Jesus, and not I'm not talking like your little wafer bullshit that you get in church. Like you literally ate them. It's that good. <laughs> it's it's just a dude in a ring. <laughs> That's it. With some sometimes cinnamon and raisins. Do you want to talk about rings and lords of them? We could do that. Yeah, I think I think yes. we've done enough of that recently, and I'm I'm pretty ringed out. Oh well, I can't wait for you to talk about Dorian Wrong Gray. Hat. I can't wait. Let's get to Dorian Gray. <laughs> let's 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 do that podcast um, before for the we podcast. do that. Let's talk Hobbit right now. Let's do it. <laughs> so me and Phil are on our own unexpected journey together of watching mm-hmm. the Hobbits. Uh, Brian has hung himself. Why? <laughs> oh, he's back. <laughs> uh, that's a good question, Brian. It is. Um, a good, I I thought I had seen it, and then I very much hadn't. Like I know I saw part of it, and then as I'm like live texting Phil about it, I'm like, dude, I've never seen this movie before. <laughs> <laughs> so then he joined. He joined on the journey, and now we just uh, complain. I just finished up uh, Desolation of Smog today. Smaug, excuse me. Um, so I'm two thirds there, but um, I'm not looking forward to uh, number three. It's, it's that's Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, Benny. Isn't it? Benny comes uh, plays <laughs> the dragon, right? Yes, he does. That's a man who has a lot of nicknames, but Benny comes is my favorite. Yeah, you're bucking the uh, the the usual trope of his name. I like it. What's his usual one? What do I? Um, just just like Benadryl just, Cumberbund, yeah. or like make up words that sound like Benedict Cumberbatch. Three syllable words that start with B and C, basically. He has like the most English name, though. It's it's, it's uncanny. Just like it's for sure. It's kind of gross how English it is. Yeah. I do have what I believe is a caped trivia fact about Mrs. Mina Harker. I literally typed about oh. 10 minutes before doing this, and I do not remember what I typed. <laughs> <laughs> Alcohol is a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of the legal ones. Peter Wilson's motivation for her character was that of flat, hollow, unleavened bread that could be split open to hold a filling. <laughs> it's true. Because her, her name's Peter. <laughs> it's true. It's, Tell me I'm wrong. It's on IMDb. It's on IMDb, so I can't I can't debate it. I have one note for Mina Harker, and it's horny for blood. She loves blood so much, she and sometimes she like loves really her loves own blood, blood too, which is uh-huh. well, kind of hot. We'll get there. We might it's get so there. hot. <laughs> I didn't even promise that we'd get there on that one. Just so we might. <laughs> you wrote the synopsis. You know if we will. <laughs> yeah, that was that's a hint. <laughs> M sends the group to meet up with Dorian Gray, played by Stuart Townsend. Uh, don't you mean Aragorn? OG? <laughs> but he was too young to be Aragorn, so no, they that's, fired that him. No, that is not the reason. That is not the reason at all. Uh, as a guy who, after we record our Lord of the Rings episodes, listened to a 22-hour book about the making of Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Stuart Townsend got fired because he was a dickhead. Well, that checks out, too. <laughs> like, they wanted him to do sword training, he said, nay. I know what I'm doing. They're like, but we got you the guy who like worked with Errol Flynn. He's like, yeah, I know. I know what I'm doing. And like they had a, a big old dinner like with the whole cast and crew and getting everyone together, meeting everybody. And at the dinner, Sir Ian McKellen leaned over and was like, do you even want to be in this movie? Like just looking at you, just like such a fucking downer. And then they fired him. Thank God. And then I learned that Viggo Mortensen's a weird dude. <laughs> I feel like we already knew that mostly. This movie's like, weirdly a lord of the rings like second actor between between connery and townsend we've got yeah. a couple of cast-offs they're like the minor league version of the lord of the rings <laughs> i wouldn't even call it the minor leagues i think ever granted that people know this but some folks may not that like 
Gandalf was was Connery's job to lose, and he did not take the job because he did not understand the movie, and thus it went to <laughs> went to Ian McKellen in a much 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 better casting. I don't get it, and I don't want your four hundred fifty million dollars. Look, I've 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 done Jardage, <laughs> but this shit makes no sense. <laughs> There's a lot of stories about uh, late career Sean Connery not understanding scripts. So, well, he also, I mean, with the Matrix, he's just like, I don't get it. It's like, oh, Jesus, man, you really <laughs> <laughs> trust that the people who wrote it get it, and and the director gets it, and then just take the paycheck. Yeah. So where was? Oh God, I have it in my notes somewhere, but I forgot it. But I think he was like he gave up. I think four hundred and fifty million dollars by not taking. The it was a role. stupid amount of money. It's <laughs> so much. But I mean, when when you're that old, do you really need it? <laughs> right, right. No. I think that's probably part of his his you know impetus for refusing these roles is like I'm 70 years old. I how am I possibly going to spend 400 million dollars in the next 20 years of my life? <laughs> <laughs> so instead, I'll just do a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen for 17 million. Yeah. M sends the group to meet with Dorian Gray to convince him to join the league, the hot tub. <laughs> and he refuses. Quartermain points out that a painting is obviously missing from the wall. Surely that won't come back later. Hmm. Suddenly, the Phantom and his men arrive, and the whole room erupts in gunfire. One of the henchmen reveals himself to be a friend of the group, you know, by winking. <laughs> well, that's how I'd let everybody know that I'm cool. Walk in the rooms to start winking. <laughs> I'm with it. And then I like how quickly Sean Connery just like, believes him. I'm surprised at his age that he had the eyesight because he had to he had to put on his glasses earlier to shoot a guy, <laughs> and now he can see a dude winking behind a mask from across a giant room. There are so many instances of like 500 yard gunshots where people are doing it like willy nilly, as if like oh, I can see that thing you know a quarter mile away, no problem. Yep. Well, we'll get there because that's a whole crazy bit of it. Is always like when he teaches them how to shoot, he's like just take your time, take your time. You take take your time. It's only getting farther away, but you take your time. You take further your time. it out, the take your time. easier the shot gets. I know it's it's you know. <laughs> We've all seen the Patriot. Aim small, miss small. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> we all haven't seen the Patriot. You're not missing much. He fucks okay. his sister's sister, so his sister-in-law. I was wait. Uh, That's how that works, right? Is sister, that how family sister is? still your sister, right? Yeah, Tia and Tamara were both in there, and uh, Mel Gibson did both. <laughs> Go home, Roger. <laughs> During the fight, it's revealed that Do you Dorian think Gray. That Pornhub <laughs> has ever considered doing sister sister porn of like make it its own category. It's not T and Tamara. Get off of that, Brian. The CW is not a thing anymore. Or would that be what, <laughs> that was, like, what was it before? That was like UPN. UPN. Thank you. I couldn't remember which what the one was before that. Or um, the WB. But that would be like a crazy category because you're like you're doubling down on the horn that people tend to skew towards marketing. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm always confused when you see one of these, it's like step siblings, but it's more than two people. It's like, okay, <laughs> two of these people have to be related. <laughs> so that's just how math works. <laughs> it's complicated. It's like so many steps. I don't. <laughs> sister, sister is hard to steps say with a Connery people. accent. <laughs> sister, sister. You, you can roll it really, really well. But, like, there's a pause. There's a blatant pause that has to be had. Like, you're almost coming up for air. Shista, shista. Shista. That's right. 
Uh, if you don't have an erection listening to Phil's uh, Sean Connery accent, you're not alive. In you're my not opinion. alive, exactly. You're not Your alive. blood is not pumping at all. Perhaps you need a good slap in the mouth then. <laughs> I was waiting for that to come up. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Only a matter of time. If you're playing the drink every time a Sean Connery impression happens, I'm sorry that you've already died. <laughs> yep. You died in the best way, though. We will mourn you. <laughs> I will not. You're gone. I'm going to treat you like the queen. Like, you want to see a dead body? Like, here we go. Line up in a five-mile Couldn't even say that. Like, we're recording this while she's still lying there in a church or whatever, and like now she's in the ground somewhere. Yeah, but by the time this episode comes out, people will still be in line to see her. Probably. <laughs> oh, she's up here with me at the squirrely gates. <laughs> We're just partying together. It's just her to me and Prince Philip. Uh, do you think Connery would slap the queen? Well, 100% he would slap the queen. <laughs> like, there's not even a doubt in my mind. Like, it's already happened. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom. He's been waiting. <laughs> Right on the funny. Right on that royal funny. During the fight, it's revealed that Dorian Gray is invulnerable, and the Phantom escapes. The fight ends with Mina held at knife point, so she rips out her assailant's throat and drinks his blood. As you do, yeah. That all checks out. I mean, it's a, it is aggressive when it happens. It's super aggressive. And then she turns to everybody else and she's like, yeah, I'm a vampire. Thanks, Dracula. <laughs> Doesn't even do that. Like they're walking down the stairs, and like Sean Connery's like, "What the fuck happened to you?" And she's just like, "Look at my neck. What do you think happened to me? You watched me drink blood, you idiot." My eyes turned red. This is after he has met an invisible man. Right. So everything's on the table now. He buys into this bullshit way too quickly. Yeah. I don't know. He questions the invisible man for like a good seven minutes of the scene. He's like, "I'm not here for your politics." <laughs> For so long. So Agent Agent Tom Sawyer. Yes, the friendly henchman turns yeah. out to be an American. Discount Heath Ledger? Discount Heath Ledger. He also kind of looks like, um, who's the kid that was in all the ABC Family Christmas movies? Because that's who he looks like to Jonathan me. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who had formerly played Tom no. Sawyer. <laughs> no, that's a real name. This is a, just a kid who was in a bunch of ABC well, Family how are we supposed movies. To know? Is it the same kid who like did Dunstan Checks In? Maybe. And I should have said the Santa Claus. That's probably well, more well-known than that. It could have been that kid, maybe. Yeah, but the Santa Claus doesn't have an ape in it, so we got, yeah. Tim Allen's right. in it. Oh, okay, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that he's getting, like, a, a Disney Plus series? Bah? About what? About the Santa Claus. There's, there's more what? Santa Claus adventures to be had. Bring him back. It might be a movie. I know it's going to be on Disney Plus. That's all I know for sure. I feel like he probably needs work. <laughs> Can Judge Reinhold please be in it? I Speaking hope of needing so. work. Quartermain immediately allows Tom Sawyer to join the, t- the hot tub time machine. <laughs> and I have another actual IMDb trivia fact. Is it about no one vetting anybody in this? And they're just like, you, you're in. You, <laughs> yes. you're in. It's almost about that. Tom Sawyer introduced himself as Special Agent Sawyer of the American Secret Service, or Sass of Ass. <laughs> that's actually on imdb and it made me very oh, happy that's so good how is that not a band name sass of ass yeah like you have ace of bass like this feels like it is like right in line with that 
Again, another hard one for uh, Sir Sean Connery. Shosh Obash. Shosh Obash. Shosh Obash. You want to drink uh, sassafras? What? Agent Tom Sawyer, famously not in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comics. Correct. Correct. Also, speaking of the comics, Dr. Mina Harker, who everybody is like, who? Why, why is this broad here? She's the leader of the team in the comics. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. And also, not not a vampire in the comics. Yeah, that's so. a weird twist. Not named Mina Harker. I think she's Mina Murray in that. She has her maiden I think, name. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> no wonder why Alan Moore's rolling in his grave. Does he just, like, sleep in a grave? Or? Yeah. Have you seen Alan Moore? Of course he sleeps in a grave. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering what, why he was in a grave. He's doing his best impression of the queen. <laughs> Fuck you. It's not too soon. She was 96. Get over it. <laughs> this podcast has been postponed for a period of mourning. It's not a political podcast. She wasn't political. This is fine. <laughs> this is not a figurehead podcast. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> I'm going to use that for the next four episodes. <laughs> I'm so glad it's only four. <laughs> the previously reluctant Dorian changes his mind and agrees to join the Hot Tub Time Machine also. So the gang takes Nemo's submarine, the Nautilus, to France to recruit one or two more guys. Can I have a uh, an actual IMDb trivia fact that's not an actual IMDb trivia fact? Sure. Absolutely. So I don't know how big the Nautilus is, but it is massive. It, it is pretty huge. It jumps out of the water like the size of a two or three story building. And no one's impressed. That's the part that bothers me is no one's impressed. That's the other thing. <laughs> this thing is the size of a fucking freight liner. It is massive. It's and huge. It's in the London Harbor, which is not on the ocean. It is on a river, the Thames, which is uh, one and a half meters deep underneath the London Bridge itself. And... This thing pops out, and it is, again, like three stories tall. And it's it's an interesting <laughs> bit of um, magicry here because we're operating in a fantasy world. This is an alternate universe where right. you can make these kind of choices and go like, well, in this world, maybe the Thames is 40 feet deep. Sometimes you just got to invent a alternate reality where... Literary characters are real, technology is way advanced, and all of the waterways are deeper. That's what I love about this, is that like every anachronism on this can just be explained away with just like, it's an alternate universe. It doesn't, like, whatever you think about, like, Venice in the real world doesn't exist, and we'll get there with Venice, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like they, like, up the ante on this whole entire thing, because, like, we all know steampunk, and we all love steampunk, and their goofy contraptions that they put on their hats, or whatever they do. <laughs> Gears, goggles. <laughs> yeah. But in this, if if you go on Wikipedia, they don't even use the word steampunk. They call it diesel punk. And I feel like that's just like the more hardcore version of steampunk in a way. That's the next level. It is. It is. There's diesel punk. There's steampunk. There's other punks. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> so many punks. <laughs> Got to be electric punk by 2035, though. According to California. Solar punk. Okay. Let's, let's take care of the environment here. Yeah. We're solar punk. Electro punk. Solar punk. In Paris, Quartermain and Sawyer capture the hulking Mr. Hyde, played by Jason Fleming, who has a neat custom giant top hat. I love this top hat so damn much. That yeah. has that has to be custom made, and I love that they spent the time. But who did it, and, and why, more importantly? Gotta dress up Mr. Hyde. But are you dressing up Mr. Hyde, or are you dressing up Mr. Jekyll? 
Well, Mr. Jekyll is a normal-sized man. I understand that, but then when he takes the potion, does he, like, go into his wardrobe and put on his big top hat and, like, grow into it? Because I want to see that. I hope so. I want the behind the scenes on this, because that is... So many questions about the giant hat. I love it. I love it. Tom Sawyer picks up the giant hat, and it's just, like, it it raises every question of, like, what is Mr. Hyde doing after he transforms? I want that prop. Like, if I ever see that prop come up at an auction, I'm going to seriously absolutely throw better. in my children's college education be like but i got mr hyde's hat from lxg kids <laughs> top hat that i could easily use as a coffee table jason fleming by the way he's back um you may not have remembered him from x-men first class because he famously did not speak a word as azazel oh that's he was in that i had didn't, no idea no lines really you, you didn't realize he wasn't in, he was in that i'm surprised <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Clueless. Oh, but you love those movies. You lost me at X-Men. In fact, I blacked out. That was weird. Mr. Hyde eventually reverts to the meek Dr. Jekyll and agrees to join the team when he learns that he'll be allowed to return to London. With the team complete, the Nautilus sets off for Venice. Aboard the Nautilus, Tom Sawyer hits on Mina. He quotes a famous Matt Damon crypto commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and then she turns him down and bangs Dorian Gray. Well, Dorian flirts with her pretty hard because he cuts her, and then she gets so horny for her own and blood. She's like, oh, and she's like my I'm blood. so horny for my own blood that I'm going to do whatever's here. Oh, hello, Dorian. If well, only Tom Sawyer knew. And there's a little there's bit of blood. That, that Dorian and Mina had a previous relationship. Um, yes. But between Dorian and Tom Sawyer, and we'll get there soon, but also Dr. Jackal, like half of the league... Half of the hot tub wants um, <laughs> <laughs> wants Doctor Harker very very badly. Yeah, I, the only one who does it is is. Alan and I Quartermain. get it because she's literally the only woman in this film. Yes. Is it strange how like the way they frame this with like Dorian Gray like cutting her, getting her blood, and her getting turned on her blood? They treat it like Dorian Gray is almost getting like his own sloppy seconds, and I don't understand how that works, but that's how it sort of felt. A little bit, like, yeah. She's she's getting hers, and then he's just kind of there, and he's like, I'm going to move in after completion. He's doing the Mac system. <laughs> she's Dennising herself, and he's doing the Mac system. And Tom Sawyer pops up, I'm here for the scraps. <laughs> Gray tells her about his special painting that ages instead of him. So, you know, we're getting all sorts of fun stuff on this boat. Everybody's ex- exploring their... Why would you carry around your painting that ages instead of you? He doesn't carry it around. Okay, we'll get there, though, but... um, Because remember, there was a missing painting. If there's a painting that if you look at it, you die, why would you have it hanging up anyway? But That's fair, actually. That's a good point. (laughs) But we'll definitely... We'll get there. I might have revealed too much too soon. Yeah, you really can't talk about Dorian Gray (laughs) without talking about that stupid portrait. Quartermain reveals that he lost his son on a mission... And he has a metaphor about old tigers that that he lives by. Then he goes and he coaches Tom Sawyer on some long-distance shooting off the deck of the boat. And I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Jeez. I know. When Alan Quartermain is teaching Tom Sawyer to fire long-distance shots, Sawyer's arm and shoulder shake from the strain of holding the gun. In the cast commentary, Shane West said he was quite embarrassed because Sir Sean Connery, who was 71, seemed to have no problem holding the solid wood metal gun while firing a shot. West, in his early 20s, found it incredibly heavy and strained to hold it still while aiming at the target. Hello, Poche. <laughs> well said. I read a story that Stephen Norrington shut down production for a full day because there was a gun that wasn't realistic enough. 
And that's just insanity in my mind. That's wild. <laughs> in the fantasy LXG world, that nothing is real. Correct. And everything is yeah, real. Yeah, he said. He said this was it was not realistic enough, and they shut down production for a, a full day. Why isn't that it. on IMDb? Put some more gears and goggles on that gun. It's not steampunk enough. <laughs> <laughs> We're going for alternate universe steampunk. Come on. Can you imagine all the steampunk funness you could have put on that Dr. Jekyll hat, though? Man, I've oh. been to Renaissance fairs. That That is missed real estate right there. <laughs> The group begin to worry that there is a traitor in their midst when flash powder is found in the wheel room of the Nautilus and a vial of Jekyll's serum goes missing. Gross. Naturally, <laughs> naturally, they blame the invisible thief, Skinner, but they can't find him on account of his invisibility. <laughs> on account of him being fridged. <laughs> <laughs> and this is probably a cape time to be trivia fact since we're talking about not being able to see something. Ray Charles has never seen this movie. <laughs> I'll keep bringing it back as much as I can. It's still my favorite IMDb <laughs> trivia fact. It's more fun when it's a movie he's in, but... So I noticed something here um, that actually took me a couple couple viewings to, to point out here. What they do with Jacqueline Hyde is very, very similar to what they do in the Moon Knight series, where they communicate back and forth through the mirrors, oh, which I the thought mirrors. was... Oh, shit! Absolutely right. Great, great detail. Like, Hyde is by far my favorite character in this whole thing. They do a great job with his character development. He they do looks a, great, too. They, he, oh, they yeah. Because they use practical effects, and yeah. we see that when they don't use practical effects and they use CGI. Yeah, Because um, that's very, very, very <laughs> noticeable. Yeah. They um, do some awesome Cronenberg-style body gross-out stuff when he yeah, transforms. It's amazing. It. He it's looks like good. a fucking tumor. It's, <laughs> it's, it's great. So it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. But yeah, it's a it's a nice, like, he's kind of a combination of the Hulk and Moon Knight, where he's got this back and forth between the two alter egos, but they're actually able to communicate back and forth to each other. I dig, dig it. it. I thought they Don't make me respect this movie. Just, oh, I have no problem with that part. this movie, and we'll get there. The Nautilus sails up the narrow, shallow canals of Venice, stopping under a bridge where it can go no further. <laughs> And yet, no one's impressed by this thing still. This is a moving... Still. Like, it's the size of, like, I don't know, are, are they blocks when they're canals? When, <laughs> I don't know how Venice works. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the size of so many of them, and it just, like, parks outside of a carnival and no one notices. Speaking of carnivals, it's like three linked-together carnival cruise ships, but it's also part submarine, and nobody cares. The canals of Venice in the real world are one to two meters deep. So about the same depth as the Thames. About so the same why depth. are they so worried about like Venice collapsing? Like it's not going to go far. Yeah, like, it'll <laughs> it'll sink a little bit. Get a little wet. Whatever. Just live on the second floor. It's going to get a little wet. <laughs> Have like your first floor just be like, oh this, oh, this is your New York City basement apartments where if it rains a little bit, it floods. But in this one, you just like live in the river. <laughs> Tom Sawyer would get off on that. He loves the river. He loves rivers. There's actually a a deleted scene, I think, or. Uh, either a deleted scene or just something in the script that never made it into the movie about Tom Sawyer being there because he's trying to avenge the death of his partner, uh, Secret Agent Huck Finn. I hate it. I hate wow. it so fucking much. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Tom Sawyer famously not in this comic, but added because they felt they needed an American in this movie. <laughs> to appeal to American, <laughs> to appeal to American audiences. Yep. audiences. Yep. Sean Connery appeals to all. What are they doing? Yeah. 
starring the person who made James Bond famous. I was going to say. needed an American surrogate. <laughs> you have a Bond in this movie. What more do you want? <laughs> like, sure, he, he took up most of the budget so you couldn't hire other famous actors, but... Yeah. That said, I have no idea who Alan Quartermain is, and I when I looked it up, I'm like, this is this is a famous British like folktale yeah. who's had like dozens of stories written about them. I had no idea. It's like a big game hunter. I kind of get that, but I also don't care. I did not need Tom Sawyer in this to really get no. um, Sean Connery as Alan Quartermain. I'll take it. In Venice. A series of bombs has been planted under the city. They begin detonating and toppling buildings one after another like a set of dominoes. The team decides that knocking out one of the buildings out of sequence is the only way to stop the chain of explosions. So Nino has a missile that can be fired from the Nautilus at the building in question, but only if a beacon has been set in place. <laughs> Since Nemo can track his, what he calls an automobile, Newfangled. They, use, they use it as a beacon. So the League... Pile in with Sawyer at the wheel, and they race along the streets of Venice. Sawyer can pilot that car so fucking good for a vehicle that does not exist. That doesn't exist. <laughs> Holy shit, he is the best driver of a non-existent vehicle ever. Why do they need a beacon in order to shoot this rocket at a building? Because like they clearly they, like what's a beacon need... going to do? Add another set piece. Okay. <laughs> uh, I hate to do this again already, but I have another actual IMDb trivia fact. What is Bring wrong it. with you? <laughs> During the Battle of Venice, there is a brief shot of the footwell of the Nemo mobile. Shown are three pedals. However, Tom Sawyer slams his foot on the gas pedal without ever touching the clutch. This is because A, the Nemo mobile used an automatic transmission, and B, the pedal on the left is in fact not a clutch pedal, but rather a second brake pedal. By having independent braking to the left and right side of the car, the stunt driver could achieve certain tricks not normally attributable to a 22-foot-long vehicle. Again, this is a new technology, and how <laughs> does Tom Sawyer know what a clutch or left and right <laughs> brakes are? Oh, man. He is the oh. best sass-ass to exist. The best sass-ass. Listen, if I can convince people to paint a fucking fence... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll figure out how to drive your automobile. What did you call it? Dorian and Mina jump out to fight groups of henchmen. Mina goes full vampire with bats. You never go full vampire. <laughs> <laughs> but when you go full vampire, you can fly. Has a vampo ever won an award? Like an Oscar? Like, I'm, I understand MTV movie awards. All the vampos won. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> Twilight. Mostly the sparkly ones. Right. But. Like, real awards that people actually give a shit about? Has Vampo ever won that? Gary Oldman? Bram Stoker? I don't think he did. That? No? I don't think so. Hmm. He should have. That's a good question. Never go full vampire, as Phil said. Checks out. Just do a, a quick vampire Oscar search. Vampire Oscar search. <laughs> You're going to have the weirdest Google like returns from it. It's <laughs> oh, gonna be yeah. Like, I'm going to get the strangest targeted give ads. Give Matt Berry all the awards for forever. It's like, yeah, why aren't we? I'm getting just results for a character named Oscar from The Vampire Diaries and another character named Oscar from School for Vampires. So, yeah, I'm going right. to say no. <laughs> hold up. Hold that thought, because I pulled up the Wikipedia page for Bram Stoker's Dracula, the 1992 film, and it won for Best Costume Design, Best Sound Effects Editing, and Best Makeup. What sound effects does it possibly have? Um, ask Tom McCarthy and David Stone, or insert yourself as the uh, as the as the sound effects editor for Bram Stoker's Dracula in IMDb. Done. It was nominated for Best Art Direction, but did not win. Well, I will tell you that William Defoe 
was nominated for Best Supporting Actor uh, portraying Max Shrek in Shadow of the Vampire, but Wait, he didn't win. Isn't Shadow of the Vampire the, the Woody Allen movie? Uh, Shadow of the Vampire is a 2000 film about the creation of Nosferatu. But it's like the one where he plays like the weirdo based on the character, the afflicted, right? Uh, maybe. Oh, the actor, actually, or something like that, where they yes, thought he was like a yes. real vampire. But something like that. Also, isn't Max Shrek the name of Christopher Walken's character in Batman Returns? Yes. Yes, it is. We should have known sooner that that was a villain. <laughs> You're not the pussy I'm looking for. No. <laughs> Max Shrek is actually the actor's name who played Nosferatu. That seems intentional. That seems super intentional. And look at us learning new things about the movie we covered 178 <laughs> episodes ago. <laughs> Batman month. We hardly knew ye. Quartermain jumps out to chase the Phantom. Because, yeah, the Phantom's in Venice, too. And he lands on his feet from a car moving all the miles per hour. Every mile per hour. <laughs> Kilometers, they're in Venice. Excuse me. <laughs> but he lands flat-footed and, like, jumps out of a moving car, lands flat-footed, and just runs off. I love well, it. Well, this is probably the perfect time for this Cape IMDb trivia fact. It is. The production went through 71 marionette strings during production to keep Sean Connery upright. They had to. They had to make sure he didn't fall over because he was old. So Quartermain and the Phantom fight in a graveyard. And while they're fighting, the Phantom loses his mask, revealing him to be none other than M. Whoa! Dun, dun, dun! My only notes for the Phantom is the Phantom equals MF Doom. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got the same mask. He's got the exact same mask. But this was 2003. I don't know when MF Doom was recording. Was this pre? Was it I around think this would, have been, this would have been pre-MF Doom. Oh, did MF Doom take the Phantom's mask? Was, the M was MF Doom inspired by Alex G? I think he's probably more <laughs> inspired by Dr. Doom. <laughs> Maybe. We can't. We can only theorize. Exactly. Yeah, we, can't we can't ask him. <laughs> I will beat you to that one every day. Uh, it's just me and MF Doom up here and the Queen Mum. We're all partying. We love joking about dead people, don't we? <laughs> That's right. Remember when we went to Paris and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and then we Eiffel Towered the Queen? <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, she knighted me, and I returned the favor. <laughs> Period of mourning. Anyway. Period of more. Yeah, it's in the past. This this episode's in the future. Yeah. <laughs> when it's being recorded and released. <laughs> it's disrespectful now. It's not disrespectful when it comes out. Yeah, a I'm week makes sure a difference. <laughs> so yeah, M is the Phantom. A twist? Mm -hmm. Sure. At the same time, <laughs> Sawyer crashes the car into the target building, fires a flare, signaling Nemo to launch his missile. The building is destroyed, the chain of explosions stops, and Venice is saved. Except for, you know, those beginning buildings that already blew up. They destroyed <laughs> a lot, half there's of, a lot of buildings. They destroyed half of Venice to save Venice. <laughs> Good job. You did it. Back at the Nautilus, the first mate, Ishmael, is met by Gray and blames Skinner for their troubles, but is proven wrong when Gray shoots him. I had a really uh, stupid moment in life watching this movie. Because when he said, call me Ishmael, I went, ha ha, like out loud. <laughs> he said the thing from the other book. 
<laughs> this movie loves books. The Phantom, very operatic. <laughs> I just, I love Dorian Gray's delivery of this line. Not Skinner, me. <laughs> Got him! Wow, what a reveal! That shit was deep. Acting! <laughs> the League regroups the Nautilus, where Quartermain reveals that M is behind the whole thing, and the dying Ishmael announces to the team that Gray is actually the traitor, not, not Skinner. A small vessel detaches from the Nautilus, and Gray makes his escape with a smile and a wave. Yeah, how does this thing work? I don't know. How does any of this work? It's an alternate dimension. Yeah. Fair, you know what? Fine. You're, you're right. That's on me. <laughs> Steampunk submarine attached Diesel to- Dieselpunk submarine. Sure. Dieselpunk. How does it work? Some kind of alternate 1800s punk. <laughs> it's like putting shit on a hat, but like a big hat. That's diesel punk. <laughs> you did it. You solved a diesel punk. I can't wait to find out what we solve next week. <laughs> the team pursue Gray on the Nautilus, but along the way they find a record and play it on a gramophone. The voice of M floods the room, revealing his master plan, as villains love doing. But it's like they're revealing it in the stupidest way. We're like, yeah. they're talking directly to the camera. Yes. Like, it's very choreographed, the way that they're doing this, of who's saying <laughs> what. And it's We're ridiculous. hearing the gramophone, but also there is video, a black and white, like... Black and white old-timey sepia video. tone yeah. video of them talking towards us while they're recording the gramophone. They're treating this thing that's like Harry Potter just fell in the pensive and, like, Albus Dumbledore is just winking at the audience the whole time. <laughs> like, you're paying attention, right? Right? This is the whole master plan. We're telling it directly to you, the audience. <laughs> the entire mission has been a ruse so that M could steal physical elements from each of the League members to construct an army of superpowered soldiers. Captain Nemo's science, Jekyll's formula, Mina's blood, and a sample of Skinner's invisible skin. How do you steal science? I don't know. With a picture? <laughs> Find the blueprints. That's all you gotta yeah, do is take a picture and that's right. That's... They found the uh the flash um dust. <laughs> I feel like it's like the equivalent of like the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. Like they just like have a diploma rolled up in there. They're like, yeah, you got a brain, we stole your science or something. We did we it. Gave you their bachelor's degree. It turns out that M only needed Quartermain to capture Mr. Hyde, and now he's basically He's, his part of the plan is done. It's like, yeah, yeah, got you, old man. And the whole reason he's doing all this is because M is seeking profit by starting a world war and selling the League's weaponized powers to both sides. So this is a guy who has the financial ability to create world-ending tanks and bombs, and he needs more money for he reasons? Needs more money. Well, greed is a, is a funny thing. <laughs> It sounds bizarre, but like, let's look at today's billionaires and go like, okay, that's that makes. Kind I was of just sense. gonna say it sounds weird, but then you remember that there are Elon Musk's in the yeah. world. Yeah, but I feel like also like he befriended everybody so quickly. M and like he could have just said like, I, let's do science together, friends, and then just like <laughs> done science. screw them over that way. The yeah, he didn't way. really need the ruse of the whole like Venice thing. I feel Venice right. was a pretty deep ruse, like blowing up and dominoing buildings in Venice. <laughs> Yeah, especially because he basically already had everything he needed at that point. Like, Dorian Gray could have just left with everything in the night in that same capsule. They didn't need to blow up half of Venice. What a fantastic waste of time. <laughs> uh, what an extraordinary waste of time. There it is. <laughs> what a hot tub waste of time. <laughs> Can't argue that. <laughs> 
The only reason Dorian Gray is helping M is because he's been blackmailed into helping him because M stole his enchanted portrait, which is, of course, the missing picture from his home that he had hanging on the wall, but he wouldn't look at it because if he did, it would kill him. I mean, if it's gone and missing, I suppose there's like the, the mystery of maybe it'll show up when I'm least expecting it, but if it's not in my possession, then I feel like I'm safer as a result. It if does this, feel like you'd be safer. You have done me a favor. You have stolen this painting that will kill me if I look at it. <laughs> Do you think you could catfish a friend by creating a portrait of them and trying to trick them into thinking that it like it ages instead? Like you gradually just like put like lines <laughs> just, on it and shit. Just painting wrinkles onto this portrait. Do you think you could do that? Do you have a friend dumb enough that you could probably pull that off? Well, I know this guy, Dave. Painting herpes sores on uh, this painting. That's just realistic <laughs> at that point. <laughs> oh. You got Monet's water lilies and you got Dave's herpes sores. I hate this joke. <laughs> Dave's herpes. We see it's an alternate, it's a painting from an alternate dimension. That's why it works. So it turns out that the recording isn't just exposition for the sake of exposition. It also has a signal embedded within it that is imperceivable to the human ear, but not to the Hyde ear. And it's, it's supposed to set off these bombs that are hidden within the ship. Mr. Hyde manages to open some kind of hatch and stop the ship from sinking after the bombs explode. I don't know what this hatch is. Like It's like I don't a screen either. door in a submarine type situation. I do <laughs> not exactly understand what it is. At all. And when you open it, all of the water leaves the inside of the submarine. And every single shot Stephen Norrington does on this, it's like, he goes through a hallway and zooms into a briefcase, and that's the bomb. And it happens, like, over and over and over. So again. many times. So they save the ship from sinking, but in the process, they lose track of Dorian Gray. And then, at exactly that perfectly timed moment, they receive a signal from Skinner and head to the frozen lakes of Mongolia. We're traveling all over for just reasons. Should be Just because. It was like Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> Far From Home, whatever the fucking Far from home, home is, again. One of the homes. Spider-Man Homeward Bound. That's, oh man, how great would that be? <laughs> it's just, it's Peter Parker, uh, and he's got three dogs with him and a cat. Is it two dogs and a cat in that movie? Two I dogs remember. and a cat. Someone gets porcupine, though, and it's depressing, I think. They didn't like it. Well, that would definitely be Tom Holland in this version. I going to say it's Don Amici, but no, it's, uh, it's Michael G. Fox that gets porcupine. So we're going to reboot this, and it's going to be... Dwayne Johnson as the lead dog one. Yep. Uh, yep. You're going to have Tom Holland as the one who gets porcupined. Or no, that's probably going to be Kevin Hart. Let's face it. Yeah, Tom Holland. Kevin Hart cat. will get porcupined. Well, Tom Holland is a human because this is Spider-Man Homeward Bound. Oh, I shit, feel like, right. can we get Kristen Schaal as the, uh, as the cat? <laughs> yes. Yes. Actually, I love this cast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, better movie. I mean, Disney is going to need to re-up the rights on this in order to maintain possession, so I feel it's going to happen sure. sooner or later. Should be hard. There's like 20 of those things, aren't there? They, you can only go homeward bound so many times. <laughs> At some bound. point, Letting you're them just get a out. really bad pet owner. <laughs> yeah. I like that Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart already have experience playing dogs, so this is perfect. I saw Super Pets. I haven't yet. You did? But I've heard good things. Yeah, I took my, my five-year-old to see Super Pets, and the whole time... She kept saying, I haven't seen this before. Let's go home. And I was like, that's the fucking point of going to the movies, kid, is something I haven't seen before. It's because Disney Plus is ruining children, because all they want to do is watch the same fucking movies over and over. I mean, that's I mean, always how kids have been. 
Yeah, but now it's just easily accessible. At like a point, you used to be able to say like, oh, the VHS in the clamshell case, we got to let it air out a little bit or something. I can lie to you easier. Yeah. Oh, actually, it's taking extra long to rewind it this time. <laughs> As someone who has seen seasons three through eight of The Simpsons like 20 times, I kind of get it. I understand. <laughs> we we gravitate towards what's familiar. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna yeah. once we're done with this recording, I'm gonna go watch uh, another episode of Community that I've seen before. So it's oh. fine. If it's, it's feel good, I get it. It's feel Absolutely. good. Absolutely. You know what? I will join you in the community watching. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we get it. We're just adults. We have different tastes than our terrible children. We're willing to watch like seasons of things. So it's multiple right. episodes of something that feels good. Yeah. Whereas they are just focused on, I need to watch Encanto right now. I need to find out if they <laughs> saved the miracle. It's like, I, I bet they know. will. I got a you good feeling know. they will. So, <laughs> I haven't seen this movie. Let's go home. <laughs> that's, that's, I love it, actually. <laughs> oh, man. The League travel across the frozen landscape of Mongolia to a cave overlooking an industrial fortress. And then the tiger metaphor ceases to be a metaphor for a hot second, or maybe it's still a metaphor. I'm not sure if he's hallucinating this tiger or not, <laughs> but a tiger shows up and it looks like Sean Connery's going to shoot the tiger and then the tiger just leaves. And I think that's supposed to be his character arc. <laughs> he's got a son. Um, he's a tiger, I guess, metaphorically speaking. So the tiger is most fierce at the end of its life, right? That's the metaphor, something like that. And this tiger shows up. Is it going to get shot and just goes, eh, and leaves? Eh. And Sean Connery's like, well, maybe it wasn't time for this tiger. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> it's so deep. Oh, man. It's deeper than the Thames. This tiger is two meters deep. <laughs> That's you can still get a pretty a, deep tiger. A magical boat to sink in it and be fine. Or however that thing works. Skinner arrives and immediately sexually assaults uh, Dr. Mina. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> gooses are good. He's like, ah, oh, I've been waiting all week to do that. And then he's like, get a grip, man. He's like, I think I just did. It's like, all right, you naked, cold man. I hate that, how that's the best dialogue of the movie. I hate it. <laughs> By the way, we haven't touched on this enough, but Skinner is naked for like 90% of like the time that he is quote unquote in the movie because yeah, he is, he is completely invisible, which means his twig and berries are out yeah. all the time, including, and he says it right here, including in like the frozen tundra of Mongolia, he is ass <laughs> naked and just <laughs> freezing his bits off. Yeah. He's the real hero. He sucked it up for uh, the hero side of this. Yeah. He did it for the cause. Wore his birthday suit for 90% of 40% of this movie. That would be great if they like rated this thing like R for nudity, sort of. <laughs> Implied nudity. Yeah, it's in there, but you have to imagine it. Skinner had fled when he learned of everybody else's suspicions of him. He's like, oh, they think I stole stuff. I'm going to leave and make myself more suspicious. And then he tells them that M has a number of scientists and their families held hostage as slaves in his munitions factory. The workers are building copies of the Nautilus, while the scientists are working on an army of hide-like brutes, invisible spies, and vampire assassins. I love how they're just making like direct copies of everything we've seen so far to make it yep. seem like it's a bigger threat, even though the heroes have failed like literally every step of the way. Yeah, yeah, their powers haven't helped them that much. Not even a little bit. 
nobody had the idea to make some kind of superpowered Megazord. I feel this is at least somewhat better than like I'm expending all my money to make more money. Like I'm using every resource that I have <laughs> in this vastly superior technology to rob banks. So I'll I'll take this as a slight step above in terms of plausibility. That's kind of fair, but we see the Nautilus, and we see the Nautilus is a, a boat that can go underwater. Yes. So that, I mean, I'm not calling it a submarine. It's a boat that can go underwater because it's fair. above water most of the time. But then, like, I love the panic that they have when they're like, oh, they're actually making eight of them. Like, whoa, whoa, eight? Eight whole oh, of these? No. What else? What does it do? Now. It goes above water and below it. Sometimes. And that is like the extent of what it does. That's one single rocket that you need a flashlight to fire. Yeah. <laughs> you, you need to you target need to in the automobile in order to, uh, in order to use it. Not also, very scared. It has this one convenient pop off submarine <laughs> <laughs> that, in a pinch, Comes in real handy for somebody betraying you. Exactly. I just can't believe nobody thought of like, hey, let's make an invisible hide that's also a vampire. Right? Now we're like <laughs> undefeatable. You don't cross the streams. You should know this. I feel like in this, if they got approved for a sequel, we would have seen some cross streams. <laughs> Absolutely, you're right. The League splits up and infiltrates the factory. Nemo and Hyde attempt to free the scientists and their families while Sawyer and Quartermain go after M. Mina goes in search of Gray while Skinner plants explosives. Everybody's got a job. Whoa, teamwork! Nemo and Hyde run into the second-in-command, Dante, who drinks a very large dose of Jekyll's formula and transforms into a huge red monster to fight Hyde. He drinks some of it, but like for good measure, <laughs> he pours the last half of it all over his face and torso. All over his body. <laughs> I'm wondering if... The reason he was so lopsided was because he poured most of it on his left side. Drink all of it. I mean, if you're going to drink a quart of Hyde formula, like, don't Commit. spill it on your fucking <laughs> chest and forehead. So even after, like, a tiny bit, you're going to be a Hyde. Right. Like, you know you're in a good spot, even if you get, like, a tiny bit down your gullet. So just take your time. Take your time. Even Hyde is like, don't don't drink that much of it. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then this oh. thing, like, grows and it's got like the big traps going on oh yeah up top and it's got like its head in the middle of its body now which is weird he's so massive with he the looks, muscles that his head has dropped right it looks like patrick willis is just like a big linebacker <laughs> with <laughs> traps for days oh traps on traps and this is a really good like juxtaposition between practical effects and CGFX because Hyde is done entirely with practical effects. Yeah. And Dante is done entirely with CGI and it is poorly noticeable. It is it, it is, is yeah. so bad. And this is 2003. This is like Lord of the Rings. What is this record Return of the King? Like we've This would be Return of the King. Yeah, this is 10 years post Jurassic Park. We've got good <laughs> CGI available and they do not use it. They do not have the budget for it. No, they spent way too much money on Sean Connery. Apparently, they did like 50 plus sets. Like, the amount of actual sets that they did in this thing was absolutely massive. That's so unnecessary. Gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. Huh? I hope it's an extraordinary announcement. It is sort of an extraordinary announcement. Uh, I now have a new credit IMDb in the sound department area for the movie <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> I am now credited as doing the vampire sucking sounds. <laughs> nice. That's that's Dave Michaels as the vampire slurper. 
That's good blood. Yeah, I want Sling Blade. You usually do. <laughs> Mina has her show down with Gray, and it's very much implied that she cuts off his donger. Yeah. That's, that's not great. That's not what you He's want. He's like, if that was permanent, I'd be very mad at you. And then um, she defeats him by showing him his enchanted portrait, which just happens to be in the room, which causes him to instantly decay. But and it's he- like wrapped up in like the paper with the bow around it. Yeah, like, and she. This was intended. She sticks him to the wall with a sword, and he's like, "Oh no, I gotta pull this out so I can get away because you're gonna show me this picture instead of like you know closing his eyes." For real, they're gonna like diesel punk Ludovico him Clockwork Orange style, or whatever it is. <laughs> like, how do you not just close your eyes just don't when look, you've bro. got the thing that will kill you by looking at it in front of you? Say if if Indiana Jones can convince Marion to close her eyes and not look at the yeah. Arc, yeah, just like nowhere, like you know what this is going to do to you. Close your eyes. Close so, them. what what's the worst CGI? Is it this? Because Dorian Gray's <laughs> death is yeah is really bad. But I between this and Dante, the Dante's the super, pretty terrible. The Super Hulk. Um, yeah, but Dante's terrible in a fun way. Like it's so over the top that you can at least have fun with it. That's true. That is fair. That's true. This is. Yeah, this is not good. There's a brief panning over, like, the legion of armored suits that is also, like, very CGI and very poorly <laughs> it's, done. It's like, we modeled one suit and then duplicated it 400 times, <laughs> and it's very obvious that we couldn't render a floor underneath them. We've done our diesel punk to create 13th century armor. <laughs> Just put them on a big hat so they could have fixed it. Yeah. Big hats solve everything. Who's the haberdasher who's just like, this is an absurd <laughs> size for a hat. I will. No person could possibly wear this hat. Who is this for? <laughs> this is a mockery of my profession, sir. <laughs> Dr. Jekyll, I, I insist that you tell me what the purpose of this insanely large hat is. And that's when you cast Norm MacDonald. It's a big hat. It's funny. <laughs> Don't call me Dr. Jekyll. Call me Turd Ferguson. <laughs> it's funny. It's a big hat. You better not make any jokes at Norm's expense. Because that would be too soon. It's just me and Norm and Queen Mom and... And MF <laughs> and Doom. MF and, Doom. <laughs> and Prince Philip. What a crazy <laughs> cast of characters uh, They're there. all standing behind her on the couch. I like how we're <laughs> assuming that all of them went to heaven. Which is bold. Oh, just wherever they go. <laughs> Wait, when did any of us say heaven? That's well, yeah, I heard the squirrel gates. That makes me think that like Paulie Shore is the one guarding them. <laughs> He's not dead, but we like to I think was he is. Say, I like that Paulie Shore has like a part-time job. <laughs> just like, oh, I gotta go. No, he has a full-time job because he's certainly not acting. What's up, buddy? <laughs> I just don't see him holding down a full-time job. Ah, you want to come to heaven? Oh, welcome to the Squirrely Gates. Polly Shore, really hard to do compared to Sean Connery. I can do neither. Man, like, I would love to see Polly Shore try to do a Sean Connery. Just to, I'm curious. It would be horrible, I'd imagine, but I'm curious. Like, I if he's on Cameo, I will pay him money to do that. That's right, buddy. I feel like if Polly Shore's not on Cameo, on Cameo, yeah, there's 
book from $325? Jesus, fuck. Um, guys, uh, patreon.com slash kpodcasters. <laughs> if you want to hear Paulie Shore do his impression of Sean Connery. It's the weasel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I've never wanted something so badly in my life. Quartermain goes to confront M in his lair, and he deduces that M is none other than Professor James Moriarty, because we need more literary people in this movie, with a twist at the end. Big twist, that is Moriarty. As Hyde is battling Dante, the explosives finally go off, and Dante is crushed by falling debris. And they're really lucky, because Whoa, they're about to get stabbed by so an icicle. Close. They were like talking about how the Hyde formula is going to wear off eventually. Like, there's a, there's a time limit to the Hyde formula. Yes, like, waiting but, it out. Um, apparently. But Dante took way more of the formula than Hyde true. did, so... And Hyde took it a lot earlier, for them. so he, he poofed out of the yeah. Hyde formula. Well, I don't know how that one works, because the way that Hyde puts it, he's like, oh, man, he's burning up the Hyde formula so much faster because he drank so much? Maybe because he's just going so hard for that short amount of time that it wears it off quicker. You know, like burning yeah, calories. It's something. Or something. Alternate dimension. You just see like Dante pull out like a Nutrigrain <laughs> bar or something. He's like, no, don't eat that. Uh, no. He's going to be back to normal. <laughs> oh, you're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> Have a Snickers. That's the, the cure right there. And the, it's, it's, the it's an alternate dimension, so <laughs> Snickers, Snickers can be available in 1899, so it's fine. Absolutely. Perfect. So you get her out of copyright. I love it. Quartermain while holding Moriarty at gunpoint, sees a reflection because Moriarty puts the MF Doom mask in his face and says, yeah, but you better look what's happening to your boy behind you. He's just like your son. He's going to die because he's following you. It's just a long time for somebody being held at gunpoint to (laughs) talk shit. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like this movie's not good. (laughs) So Quartermain sees a reflection of an invisible man who has Sawyer at knife point behind him. And it, it turns out it's, it's Sanderson Reed, the guy from the beginning of the movie who recruited Sean Connery. There's a fun little bit of information for you. Another twist! What? This guy was bad too? Of course. He recruited the people into the bad people's club. Was there any indication that Sanderson Reed was the other invisible man except for IMDb trivia facts? Because that's the only way I actually found out about it. Yeah, I would say there's n- that's probably the only There's no indication. Case. You're supposed to just recognize his voice, yeah. I guess. So there is another <laughs> invisible person um, who is attacking Sass Ass. Right. Sass Ass <laughs> is getting held at knife point by an invisible man who's not Skinner. So Quartermain turns and he shoots the invisible villain, only to be stabbed in the back by Moriarty. And then Moriarty immediately yeets himself. Like literally. Himself. I should say literally, not figuratively. Literally. Right, literally. Yeah. Stabbed in the back with a knife in the back. And then Moriarty yeets himself out of the tower and flees across the ice. <laughs> he, like, yeets himself out of the tower like a Batman cape almost. Like, he gently floats to the ground and, <laughs> yeah, like, sheds it. And he, he has, like, the Spider-Man wings. At, like, a Usain Bolt speed because he's so far away so quickly. And he's running towards nothing. He has the, uh, the Nautilus little pod. The Nautilus so pod. far away, though. It's so far away. He, like, parks it as far away as, like, every Star Wars character parks their ship whenever they go to a new, like, planet and city. Yes. And they're like, oh, we're, we have to park this 100 miles away and then walk in. I, because I, we have to, to have a traumatic runaway he has to park scene. his in water, whereas Star Wars just 
like it's a spaceship. So right, yeah. But I mean, but, I played enough No Man's Sky to know like, yeah, you try to land a little far away because you can't really figure out exactly the spot to land. But then you're like, no, nah, I totally could have landed closer. I don't know what I'm doing here. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Like with Padme, like in in Phantom Menace, they land so far outside of the desert planet, which I can't remember from Phantom Menace because it's Phantom Menace mostly. Mm-hmm. It's Would not that have been Tatooine? Because they start naming like bullshit other cities. They're like, it's not Mos Espa, it's Mos Eisley. Like, I don't care. Well, I Tatooine really don't. is a pl- is the planet. It's but the planet. Mos Espa and Mos Eisley are two. Correct. Are literally the only two cities on Tatooine. Right, but they look the same to me. If they do. I'm getting like planet oh, yeah. blind because I'm getting city blind. <laughs> yeah. These cities on this one planet are so similar that I forgot. They what park it so was. far outside of wherever they need to park. That's the point. Yeah, and look at M. He did the same thing. Alcohol's a hell of a drug. He didn't learn by watching that alternate reality 1899 Star Wars movie. No, Nassistin Pumpinks. He's a steampunk pinks. Woodwatch. All around wow. Woodwatch. Wow. <laughs> Getting deep in the layers here. The game is mine, Dooku. I hate sound. It gets everywhere. Don't make me so angry. I made it into Gollum. I don't know what happened there. That's easy to do. <laughs> I don't understand it. Gollum, what is that? <laughs> what is a Gollum? <laughs> Quartermain is mortally wounded because, you know, stabbing. Stab in the back and you're old. So now it's up to Tom Sawyer to use the marksmanship skills that Quartermain taught him on the Nautilus to shoot Moriarty before he can get away. No and I love pressure. his advice is take your time. T- take your time. <laughs> hey, the worst that can happen is he gets away. <laughs> the further away, the better the shot. Sawyer takes the shot and absolutely nails Moriarty. Moriarty's case containing the stolen secrets of the League falls into the ocean and Moriarty dies. And then about 15 seconds later, Quartermain dies also. I like how he says, he's like, oh, the last century was yours, son, and the last century was mine, the next is yours. Like, that's fucking bold. Whatever way you worded it was bold. You think Tom Sawyer's going to live a whole century? So, holy shit, if that is not a premonition of Sean Connery's acting career. <laughs> it's not wrong. Because <laughs> can you imagine Sean Connery acting on green scene sets for Lord of the Rings and The no. Hobbit? No. Absolutely not. This no. dude was not made for, like, the 21st century of filming. By all accounts, Sean Connery was a proper actor. Came to set prepared every single day. Would offer his own ideas on set to enhance the film, enhance the character, enhance the script. Whatever he could do. He was a big-time team player. Not a diva or anything like that. He would have been so fucked this day and age. Yeah. <laughs> There's that, like, famous image of Ian McKellen in like a complete green screen like crying into his like myths of like this is not why I came into acting like in the middle of The Hobbit and like can you no can you imagine no Sean Connery in the midst of like a green screen set <laughs> like acting into a tennis ball it just makes no yeah. sense he would have walked off set way before that happened for real yeah like he chose to end his career at the exact perfect he, time. Yeah, at the time he needed to. He's like, I've got 20 plus, I've got 20 years to enjoy my millions of dollars. And he famously passed it. the baton on to Shane West. Who's <laughs> right. The new Sean Connery. 
Shane West, famous actor Shane West. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the remaining members of the group assemble in Africa to bury Quartermain with his son. As the group departs, a tribal witch doctor <laughs> takes a handful of dirt from Quartermain's grave and begins chanting. And we're reminded, we're reminded oh, of the witch doctor's man. pronouncement recounted by Quartermain at the beginning of the movie that Africa would not let him die. That's not even the part that bothers me because the part that bothers me is like Shane West, Tom sort of like cocks a rifle and lays it on the dirt pile and just walks away. Just walks away. And I can just like hear Donald Glover like, this is America. <laughs> so this witch doctor is chanting and dancing and fire has started in front of him. And then the earth starts violently shaking and lightning strikes the rifle that Sawyer... Sawyer left on the grave, and that's the movie. <laughs> but that's and the whole thing about this. It's like you have the ending of Inception with the top spinning, and you're like, yes. you're waiting for that top to fall. And it's a great ending. With this one, you know for a fact that you're not going to see a fucking Sean Connery zombie hand reach out <laughs> to grab this gun. You're not going to see that. So it's one of those, like, you're going to cut the black. I understand where you're going with this movie, and we are 13 years before Inception. I know what you're about to do. Super bold of you, Norrington, to assume you're going to get the go-ahead for a sequel. <laughs> out of all the bad CGI, this might be the worst <laughs> in this entire movie. Are you telling me that that gun didn't actually get struck by lightning? <laughs> <laughs> I hate how fake Hollywood is. Um, <sighs> this, this witch doctor dancing in front of the greenest of screens... <laughs> And that is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from 2003, directed by fuckhead Stephen Norrington. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you a lukewarm take. I don't hate this movie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't hate it. I really don't. I really don't hate it. I was super interested for like the first half, and then I kind of tuned it out for a while, and then I went, yeah, all right. They go through a lot of character exploration on the Nautilus in the middle of the movie that just loses me entirely. Well, it's so slow. So slow. Like, you, and, uh, you have a good clip going until you get to the Nautilus, and then once they get on that stupid boat, it just all slows down on so On the way to hard. Venice, we're going to stop this movie entirely, and good luck getting back on. You can't. This, it's impossible. This feels very uh, Avengers-like between unleashing the Hulk on the... I forget what the name of the vehicle is in, in Avengers, but... Oh, like, yeah. The, the, the whole thing feels very similar to it and um i don't know i don't know it's it's like this is proto avengers before the avengers began like trying to figure out how to actually create this team of people except they didn't have like four or five movies trying to set this thing up it's just like <laughs> we have one movie we have 95 minutes to try and figure this thing out <laughs> Well, I think the biggest similarity between this and the Avengers is that you had a, a, a toxic director with both of them. That's fair. With Joss Whedon and Stephen Norrington. That's true. Stephen Norrington, I don't know when to talk about this guy. I have no clue. Okay. But by all accounts, he sucked so hard. It seems like this is a dude whose career was built on special effects. Mm -hmm. So there's there's this like theory of failing upwards where you Peter constantly Principal. yeah yeah so you're failing upwards you're trying you, you do well at what you're doing and so you get promoted until you do well at what you're doing there and it promoted and so like here's a guy 
who has done well with special effects, and so he gets promoted to a director position, and, like, he's just not suited for the position, and this is what you get. You get Blade, which succeeded, and then you get this, which kind of succeeded. I mean, we'll get to that in terms of, like, how much it made, like, what how successful it was, but, like, clearly Stephen Norrington was not, like, a successful director. No, and on set, also, he was a real piece of garbage, because... He was doing so many different setups for shots and doing so many takes for different shots that as an actor, they were getting lost. And Connery was just waiting in his trailer, apparently, for most of it, not being a diva. fed up. Just waiting for this idiot to get set up on set because he had no idea what he actually wanted. And as a director, that is the worst thing that could happen. You need to know what you want. Norrington and Connery were at odds with each other for the entire filming of the movie. And there's conflicting stories if they came to fisticuffs or not. <laughs> there was a Q&A with Empire Magazine where Jason Fleming was asked if, if uh, the bust-ups between Sir Sean Connery and Stephen Norrington were as bad as reported. And he was like, oh, they were much worse. <laughs> I mean, what I read on the IMDb, IMDb was that like Stephen Norrington dared Connery to actually hit him and Connery walked back to his trailer. What a fucking pro. But also, Stephen Norrington would have totally used that and like thrown it in a spank bank for life that screen legend Sean Connery popped him in the kisser. Yeah, just like, I got you know, Sean Connery hitting Bond. a woman, and he's just like, wow, I, I'm a woman now. Look, you're not a woman. I'm not going to slap you in the mouth. <laughs> I'm Stephen Norrington, and I got slapped. I'm printing shirts. <laughs> They're doing it like it's Mount Washington. Like, this car climbed Mount Washington. This kisser got slapped by Sean Connery. <laughs> Apparently, in one of the Venice scenes... Norrington wanted them to walk out of Captain Nemo's boat like the Magnificent Seven style. And at the end of the take, Sean Connery immediately was like, what, you want us to do it again? And Norrington literally said, for $18 million, I don't think it's too much to ask you to walk down a road. And then Connery was like, oh, fuck no. off. <laughs> Wrong answer. I want you to do the exact same shot that like five movies have done before you. <laughs> We're going to get six of you to walk down slow motion together. Some of you are going to come out from behind the scenes and they're going to gather. It's going to be one or two or three of you. And then there's a fourth person coming out and a fifth person. It's going to be slow motion. Fucking A. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Torrington might. Stephen Torrington. Jesus. I don't even know his fucking name because he's so that insignificant in my life. <laughs> Like I'm not I'm actually not going to like use any of my synapses to try to remember his name. Like I want to reserve my brain power for anything more meaningful. I honestly hope it's Stefan and we've been saying Stephen. it wrong the whole time. I don't, I don't give a shit. I think that'd be just that'd be <laughs> like poetic. Stefan Urkel. <laughs> like Stefan from <laughs> SNL. <laughs> yeah. Stefan. Hey Phil, let me ask you a question, bud. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes 1 to 100. What do you think it? Critic or viewer? Ooh, hit me with both. I'm curious now. 30 critic? Wrong. Okay. <laughs> in, in that it was not exactly correct or was like oh, no, no, nowhere no, close? No. no. Uh, you were within 20. Oh, I like that. <laughs> oh. So we're between 15 and, between 50 and 10. I like that. Brian, why don't you give it a shot now that you kind of have an idea where I mean, that went. really narrowed it down for me. I'm going to say it's 10. It's 17. 17. Yeah. <laughs> I actually knew it beforehand. I'm sorry. 
You faked it well, though. You faked it really well. <laughs> That's called acting, Stephen Noring. Acting. That's wow. how it works, Stephen Noring. That's how it works. This you is me this is acting. goddammit. for seventeen million dollars, you get one take. You get one percent on <laughs> per million on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> that said, I don't know what the uh, audience score is, so I'm going to say fifty. Maybe oh, forty. Forty-two. <laughs> I'm going to say three. Forty-four. Oh. Look oh, at that. That was That's awfully damn high. close. Uh, Price is Right rules. Phil wins. Uh, people you. who did not win are Roger Ebert, who did see this movie. And he gave it <laughs> one out of four stars. He says, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen assembles a splendid team of heroes to battle a plan for world domination. And then, just when it seems about to become a real corker of an adventure movie, <laughs> plunges into uh, ink. <laughs> I can't even read this without laughing because <laughs> it's just Ebert. He says it plunges yeah. into incomprehensible action, idiotic dialogue, inexplicable motivations, causes without effects, effects without causes, and general <laughs> lunacy. What a mess. Oh, nailed it. My favorite quote from this uh, review is that Hyde looks uncannily like the WWE version of Fat Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Direct quote from Ebert. <laughs> it is a direct quote from Ebert. And let me just sandwich this by putting in his last paragraph how he kind of sums it all up. Uh-huh. He says, I don't really mind the movie's lack of believability. Well, I mind a little. To assume audiences will believe cars racing through Venice is as insulting as giving them a gondola chase down the White House lawn. <laughs> what I do mind is that the movie plays like a Big wind came along and blew away the script, and they ran down the street after it and grabbed a few pages and just shot those. Since Oscar Wilde contributed Dorian Gray to the movie, it may be appropriate to end with his dying words. Either that wallpaper goes, or I do. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. I love um, when Ebert has fun with a review. It's, I mean, again, we're going back. This is an alternate diesel punk universe, so... Like, a lot of Ebert's review was about the implausibility of roads in Venice in 1899. Yep. Which makes sense. <laughs> or, like, above or below ground graves in Venice in a city that is underwater, which you wouldn't yep. put graves, below ground graves in. That's um, true. So, like, it's an alternate universe. Uh, it, you can only go it so makes far its own with sense. That. It's an alternate universe where we prefer our corpses wet. But again, uncannily like the WWE version of Fat Bastard. That's, so. that's, that's <laughs> very good. So I went on Letterboxd and I looked at the reviews and they were very mixed in a not fun way. Like okay. they either hated it or kind of ironically loved it. Okay. okay. So this is probably the last time we're going to do this on this show. Oh, man. I went to Amazon.com. Oh, no. To see what they had to say about it. Because it's an older movie. There's going to be reviews there that are a little better than what's on Letterboxd. Of course. This movie's got a 4.6 out of 5. What? Amazon. S classic. 79% are 5 star. Mm. Only 2% are 1 star. I miss this. So from November 13th, 2020. Title. Doesn't hold up. Review. Anybody else bothered by the huge change in scale of the submarine as a five to seven story tall structure on one <laughs> hand and yet able to fit under Venice bridges in another scene? Heck, 
the whole idea of a floating submarine Venice canals is hilarious. So, Phil, good job. You are. It's an alternate an universe, goddammit. It's on one star. <laughs> These Venice canals are 40 feet deep, 60 feet deep, At 80 minimum. feet deep. Minimum. <laughs> alternate 19th century Venice. From September 25th, 2019. Title Bowling for Black Hair. Review. I think someone at the warehouse thought this would be funny. If you need help figuring out who packaged this item, they have long black hair. (laughs) I know because it was stuck all over the DVD inside the package. And the movie that was sent to them was not the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Because they posted (laughs) the picture of this and it was the League of Ordinary Gentlemen. A trip through the wild world of professional bowling. Um, and a couple of the reviews that are on the DVD cover for this film are from Kyle Smith of the New York Post, a witty look at bowling's quest for cool. (laughs) And from Ken Tucker of New York Magazine, terrifically poignant, low down funny, and sneakily suspenseful. It sounds like the League of Ordinary Gentlemen might be better than the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It might be. And it comes with hair. <laughs> Came with hair. Lucky you. You just got to pay extra for that. From June 19th, 2021, title, The British Empire. Review. Only wish it could go back and change history. They would like the world to believe that they weren't the instigator of World War One and World War Two. Great Britain was and still is the scourge of the world. Uh, Hitler? What? <laughs> <laughs> Does this reviewer think that this movie is propaganda? Revisionist history? It appears that is the case that uh, they believe that the British Empire caused World War I and World War II. I mean, I'm not a historian. I'm inclined to believe that. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You might belong on... Amazon one star for life, Bill. This might <laughs> yeah, be I think your new maybe. home. Like, you're relating a little too well. Did the British Empire begin World War II? Maybe. Who am I to say? <laughs> Who's to say? I wasn't there. Right. And Who's to say? Yeah. yeah. History's written by the winners. And yeah. the British won. They could have just said, ah, them. This is going down a rabbit hole I don't want to go down. <laughs> <laughs> it was all that damn Queen Elizabeth. From January 1st, 2022, Happy New Year. Title, Unprofessional Drivers, review, did not like them blasting loud music outside of my house. Agreed? <laughs> and this Maybe? made me miss Amazon reviews so damn much. <laughs> was that a review <laughs> of the Amazon delivery driver? Yep, sure was. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I love it so much. What the fuck's with this Ed Sheeran blaring out my fucking driveway? <laughs> um, End of Desolation of Smaug, Ed Sheeran. He's in it? It's the end credit song for Desolation of Smile. Sweet Jesus. Wait for it. I don't Wait want to. It. Is there a post credit scene? Uh, Maybe. There don't could do that. Be. Now you, you know, have to you listen. You know my game right now is if you say no, I'm just going to turn the fucking movie off the second I hear there's, Ed there's singing not. There's no post credit scenes. This is, yeah. Best thing I've ever heard in my life. There is. Yeah. And it's Ed Sheeran. <laughs> it's just like we we get we get a dragon flying towards Lake Town and then Ed Sheeran starts singing and it's like, this is an anachronism that does not work well. I don't like it at all. Can't wait to watch it. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to sharing my thoughts with you. I'm excited to hear them. Okay, come on. Orcris does not glow when there are orcs nearby. What the fuck is that? I don't know. That's that's not canon. Yeah. These are elven blades made in Gondolin. They glow when orcs are nearby. How did they not glow when orcs are nearby? When in, I don't... Uh, I'm sorry. For what it's worth, Peter Jackson grew up... And Brian, you can, again, go hang yourself now. Yeah, Peter I'm Jackson already tying the noose. Not as a fan of Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Like, he just kind of got thrown this and then said, I'll run with it because he wanted to do a fantasy movie. Just a guy who was like, I know how to make nine hour movies. <laughs> well, he edits the footage that he has. He doesn't really edit. What do you comments. mean he edits? He compiles them. I don't know that he edits yeah. them. That's a good, that's a really good word. <laughs> he, for it, actually. he hoards them like dragons over gold. <laughs> <laughs> they could have just really taken out like smog sleeping on all that gold and just put like Peter Jackson, just sleeping on film, actual film. is <laughs> just, that's it. This is my film. <laughs> I'm Peter Jackson, and I don't know the meaning of the word cut scene. He doesn't. <laughs> Nothing's not, His cutting room floor is the cleanest thing that's ever existed. From May 8th, 2021, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Load of excrementy gender men. You heard me. <laughs> what? Uh, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Load of excrementy gender men. Okay, I get it now. Oh, excrremente gendermen. Got it. Yep. You got gender it? people. They're trying, gender they're trying to do nope. a play on words. Yep. Mina, Mina Harker is in there. Yes, she is. Excrementi gendermen. And the last one I have is from December 22nd, 2018. Title, not my favorite, but good movie. Review. Had to have, had to have my, my collection. collection. The Star's yes. Attraction is for Amazon, not the movie. <laughs> Just wish Amazon would let me custom arrange my video <laughs> library instead of only offering by date purchased by alphabetical order. I would prefer oh. to arrange by genre, episode, number, and franchise so that I could group my movies together instead of having a hodgepodge to sort through. This has all been worth it for the return of Amazon, guy. Fuck, I missed that. Ah, it's that's so back. good. Oh my god. I was hoping. Probably was for the praying. last time, too. So, Probably. Yeah. There you go. How about we give this thing a super stuff score? Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, let's, let's do it. Story and motivation. Well, the story is that there's a league. Of Full of gentlemen. Ordinary gentlemen. Who may be extraordinary. <laughs> it, it's basically like Book Avengers the movie. Yeah. <laughs> is this a zero? This feels like a zero. It doesn't feel great. I'll give you that. It doesn't feel great. So, I think Professor James Moriarty, M, the Phantom, okay. is trying to uh, start a war in Europe okay. and Thank play you. both sides using powers he steals from literary characters. He's trying to get a vampire, he's trying to get a, a Hulk, and he's trying to get an Invisible Man. Right, and he's trying to steal all of um, Iron Man, I mean Captain Nemo's uh, <laughs> wonderful toys. And he needs... Alan Quartermain slash Quatamain, depending on if the R is in there or not. Um, to capture the Hulk To for get him. the hide. Yeah. But the other ones he needs. Does that make Sean got. Connery the Black Widow of this movie? <laughs> Might. Kind of. <laughs> in that I kind of want to fuck him. Sean's getting real low, big guy. Sean's getting low. <laughs> Would watch. Would watch. Yes. <laughs> Put Sean, Sean Connery in that. Step Sean Connery. That, perfect. That. Black skin tight suit. Uh, 0.25. Sounds lovely. 0.25. Dirty (laughs) 0.25. Yeah, I think that's fair. Heroes. (laughs) Um, Are they? I mean, (laughs) 
there's have, they exist. You have the the reluctant guy who is no longer patriotic. You have the the reformed pirate, the thief who's invisible, uh, the immortal guy who actually is not a hero, the American, and the vampire. Yeah, that sounds like a zero if I've ever heard a zero. That, that is oh, and Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, who is actually. I will. I will go to bat for Mister Hyde. I think that's a great character. I think they did a really good job. Uh, they did an awesome job. The, prost- the relationship between the prosthetics between the two of them too, and between like the the like communication between the two, I I would give a point two five for point two. Hyde. We're gonna give it that that Jekyll and Hyde bump. That's fair. And Boom. Phil, let me remind you: you have one hill to die on. This is not your hill to die on because we're agreeing with you, but you do have one hill to die on. Yes. I don't have a hill to die on. Yeah. All right. That, that makes it All easier. Right. That does make it easier. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about villains. It's uh, M. It's Phantom M. Moriarty. 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 He's Richard Roxburgh. The Napoleon of Crime. He like just keeps changing his appearance too. Like he had the the crazy mask on at first with like the burns underneath. Right. And when the yeah. mask came off, he like pulled the burns off. And, and the device Moriarty. that keeps his mouth open. Yeah, but then when he he like pulled the the scars off, like the makeup, and then he's just Moriarty, and then he shaves at the well, end. Well, no, he, he was M. the mustache. Yeah, off. because Moriarty yeah. doesn't have a mustache, but M does. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> That's, that um, sounds like a zero. Are we talking zero? We this might guy... be talking about a zero. He was doing a really good job. He had of getting tanks and machine guns. A war going between these two uh, countries already, and then he's like, "Now I need superpowers. See, or I need something. to my money to make money." Zero teamwork. Okay, <laughs> they're horrible. This they're is like the awful. worst team that's ever been the, assembled. The entire assembly of the team is a f- failure. Yeah, they immediately are infighting. As soon as as soon as they meet. they immediately fight the Avengers in fight too, but like I feel like the Suicide Squad yeah, operates but it's not better like, than this group. It's not like Tony shows up and is like, "Why is there a woman here?" That's the fair. entire inception <laughs> of this group is facilitated by the by villain. the villain. Yeah, like he created them in order to make his master plan. Wow he he assembled a group of heroes. To not be heroic. That ended it, up defeating him. I feel like we need to go back and give the story zero. Yeah, it's like <laughs> if Samuel L. Jackson created the Avengers in order to steal the Avengers' power and then succeeded for like 90 minutes and then failed at the end because yeah. of uh, CGI. <laughs> All right, zero. Zero. I think that's for teamwork. <laughs> Female characters. Oh, Jesus. It's there's weird one. because I, <laughs> I said it plural, and it, yeah. Female character. Uh, Dr. Mina Harker, who who shows up, is immediately um, dismissed, and then yeah. continually hit on she by vampires. every person in the cast. She's never eventually, eventually She's never damseled. Gets her she ass kills Dorian Gray. She's she able goes, to dispatch like her, gr- her, her lover slash... Rival. Yeah. And then she immediately hits on uh, Tom Sawyer, too. But, like, Tom Sawyer wants to bone her. Jackal wants to bone her. It's not yeah. great. Gray wants to bone her. Yeah, there's a there's a lot. Quarterman says he doesn't, but... Uh, but she's a does. distraction, he apparently. Does. He does. He's just upset because it doesn't work anymore, probably. Probably. Let's go point two five. She had to struggle through this thing. Okay, that's fair. It feels, feels dirty. But it's the okay. dirtiest. It it's is so dirty. One woman who is... A woman who is absolutely just <laughs> dismissed and sexually 
Warning for blood. Just yeah, okay. Point <laughs> two five, but uh, it could have been a negative point two five. Easily, easily. <laughs> Setting. <Duh>. Okay. <laughs> I kind of like this. Oh, we found the hill. Yeah, right, here it is. <laughs> Hold on, let me stretch because I'm about to fight the fuck out of you. Then the hill <laughs> is like a slight mound. It's like a, a You're gonna die in a very mound. like. You, you might even not notice it as you, like, stroll over this hill. Um, <laughs> the fact that they had 50-plus setting, maybe this is more for tone, silent tone, but, like, the fact that they had, like, all these settings, the fact that they did, I thought that they did hide really, really well when they actually did actual prosthetics and... He's not a setting. No one lived on him. <laughs> and they didn't do CGI with him compared to the other ones. Like, right. Eh, it's still not well. setting. It's style. Okay. Let's do Fine. style and tone while we're in this argument, because why not? Uh, I agree. Sure. I, I, I also agree. Hyde was amazing. It blew my mind how good Hyde He's was. the best part of this movie. Full style and tone, 0.5. I'm giving him a big bump. bump. Wow, that's impressive. But I'll for take setting, it. for setting. But back, from, my back argument, to setting. Uh, my argument against the setting is 20th okay. Century Fox. Okay. Because I've never seen a logo do exactly what that logo did at the beginning of this. Like, well, yeah, I've seen the Paramount logo morph into a lot of bullshit in Indiana Jones movies. Yes. But the 20th Century Fox logo is not a mountain. It is words being <laughs> with a spotlight shining at it. And they managed to steampunk that into the buildings of London, I think, or something. Or something. And I, and I instantly went, God damn it. Not a good start. No. And then we went to Africa. And then we went to Paris. And then we went to... We were all over the place. And a lot of the time, Venice. there was no... We were, yeah, we were London. Finnish. Venice. Mongolia. Mongolia. We, we, we traversed the we globe. Did, but, but we barely did. Like, everything looked the but same. everything looked the same. It looked like a, a video game that hadn't... Paris like, looked like England. Fully. Looked like... Yeah, it was Venice. All three of them looked identical. I would not have known it was Mongolia unless, like, I looked at the IMDb trivia. Right, right. It was like, hey, snow place. That's where we're ending the movie. Yeah, Fortress <laughs> Bass. Before we go back to Africa. Uh, zero. 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 Especially because they couldn't even figure out the depths of the waterways. <laughs> That's a big problem. <laughs> Again, it's an imaginary world. It doesn't That's, exist. You're not wrong. I'm okay. getting upset about a magic <laughs> book. Sure. I might as well start getting upset about a black mermaid if I'm going to start picking at this stuff. You seen those arguments? <laughs> oh, the little mermaid? I don't even oh want to get into God. it. God. I don't want. Oh. The thing they should be pissed off about is the tail. They got the fish tail wrong. Like they went with cod. <laughs> yeah. You like salmon. Can we call the police? I'm sorry. There's a, there's a mer person um, in the park here. I'm un- <laughs> this is, I feel threatened. Well, let's get upset about uh, it being a, a black mermaid and not get upset about her her story and motivation, which is really just to get human dick. <laughs> <laughs> like when you break it all down. Motivation of one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Honestly, if I was a fish person, I'd be looking for that human dick too. What? Yeah. Huh? You know how you know <laughs> how many dicks are in the aquatic world? The zero. Zero. Oh, right. I think it's you zero. just you just shoot your spermazoid into a big cloud, right? And that's it. And then yeah, cross your fingers or your fins. I don't know how fish sticks work. I just know Kanye loves them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
or ye? You, you let it, yay. So I don't care. You just <laughs> dangle it in some tartar sauce and hope for the best. Oh Jesus! What are so, we talking about? Uh, I think we're gonna. Well, I think we're on music now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it uh, Trevor? Trevor Jones. That's a name. That sounds made up. That no, Trevor Jones is uh, like a name. I list, I watched this movie thinking. three times and I had n- I could not place a single note in this. Not so, a nope. single one. Zero. I completely agree. That is a zero for the guy who also did the score to the Last Mohicans. <laughs> Holy shit, Which is an unbelievable him? score. Yeah. How do you do that? I mean, I have, okay, as uh, again, as a uh, newspaper writer, I have written good things. I've written bad things. I can understand that. But holy shit. Like, that is an amazing score. That's like amazing a top score. score. That is a ridiculously good score. Yeah. I mean, he, he also did Labyrinth. I mean, the, the dude is known for some, some good music. I'm not, I can't picture out the, like, I can't sing the, th- the, theme to labyrinth like i can sing the theme to last of the mohegans but holy shit yeah okay zero it, it'd be even more difficult to sing the theme to the league of extraordinary <laughs> <laughs> zero one-liners oh boy okay i'm gonna say this yeah okay the fact that they tried means it's definitely lower at least started at zero okay <laughs> because i it, Felt like they were trying to do one-liners, and none of them worked. So why don't we just leave it at a zero? Well, I kind of wanted to go lower than that, but yeah, we can go zero. <laughs> Again, I don't hate this movie. I don't want to okay, okay. go lower if I don't have to. Yeah. Then a zero it is for one-liners. And the final category is impact on the genre. <laughs> so here's where it gets interesting. Yeah. Because Stephen Norrington was in line to direct the live-action Akira movie until this movie flopped. Oh, wow. And if we hadn't have had a shitty Leave Extraordinary Gentleman, we'd have had a Stephen Norrington-directed Akira live-action movie. Which would have probably sucked. Like hard. Which probably would have sucked. Because also, it would have been directed by Stephen Norrington. Right. Ex- exactly. Also, he was in line to direct the Shang-Chi movie in 2001... Through 2006, they had Ang Lee producing, they had Stan Lee as executive producer, and then that got shelved. Presumably as a result of this, I I don't know exactly if that was a result of the movie underperforming. I do know that the Akira movie was a result of the underperforming LXG movie, but there is something there in terms of what could have been, but didn't happen. So I don't know if that's a negative or if that's a positive or what. Uh, it's still an impact. Man, it's an impact. It's an impact. But we missed out on a potentially bad Akira movie? A potentially <laughs> bad Shang-Chi movie? So let's go 0.5 because Shang-Chi does now kick ass. Like yes. it's, it's very good yes. now. Let's not that's forget true. that this also ended the career of Sean Connery. Which is a huge impact. That is a huge impact. It ended the career of Peter Wilson. I don't think she did anything after this. Uh, and Shane West, who'd barely begun to act. Shane West. Maybe. Stuart Townsend. The next Sean Connery, Shane West. This is a graveyard of You know what? Let's give it a one. Full-blown one. (laughs) Full-blown one. Full-blown one. Even more amazing. Uh, Estimated budget of $78 million, and it made $179 worldwide. Wow. It did okay. It did all right, despite all of the everything. (laughs) For books, the movie. 
Failing upwards. One for impact on the genre, which is going to give <laughs> the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen a total score of 2.25. Generous. Nailed it. Dead on. It's, um, yeah, no, I think that that's appropriate. It makes me feel not guilty about not hating it. So we're good. <laughs> hey, Brian, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're officially in October. We're in spooky season. Mm. Talk about something a little scary, maybe? We've already talked about all of the Power Rangers movies, so it's not Morphin time. No, it's Morbin time. We are talking about Morbius! From 2022. It seems kind of appropriate because it got shit on and we're just so damn curious. We're so curious. And also, it's the number one movie on Netflix right now. Well, for obvious reasons, because it's Morbin time. Because everybody's like, all right, now I have to finally see this. Now they don't have to actually pay for it. I'm 100% in the camera. I do not want to pay for this movie, but if I'm already paying for this movie, I will see it. Yeah, I have a morbid curiosity. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's more more to come on that, I guess, uh, next so, week. So much more morbid stuff happening. Morbius! Until then, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month for Pleasantville. Email us your questions and comments to katepodcasters at gmail.com and follow us on social media at katepodcasters. Uh, especially on Facebook, where we always put up a post on recording day asking for your questions and comments. And because this was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, no one had any. And that checks out. Appropriate. That's fair. Um, I will use this opportunity to voice that, the fact that this was like the peak of X equals attitude and like (laughs) awesomeness. Like this was triple X. (laughs) This was like the X Games. You had to throw the X in there because League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, L-E-G, does not work very well. That's just a leg. It's true. And leg. if you look at like the logo of this thing, they made it try to seem like so badass. Oh, yeah. So badass. It's the best letter. It is the best letter. It's the sexiest letter, really. <laughs> it's true. Phil, thank you so much for finally coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Well, what's not going to be a blast is when you come on the new show, Beer Me a Movie, when it comes out in November. And you get to bring us whatever you want to talk about. Yep. I, I know it seems obvious, but it's not going to be. Uh, well, I hope that's I the case. I love that. We only have two rules on the new show when we do it, and it's no porn and make it so we can actually watch it. So we have to be able to stream it somewhere. Rentable, YouTube, somewhere. We have to be able to find it to watch it, and then yep, we're going. That's fair. That's the only rules. But, Phil, you're the greatest. Cannot wait to talk to you again on the new show. Looking forward to it. Uh, once again, you're the greatest. There. We did it. Brian you got anything else that's it for me fantastic we're gonna see you guys next week for Morbius same pod time shame pog slap in the mouth (laughs) 